Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market, and today we're going to be talking about conflicting trade signals. For this podcast episode... I'm going to call the emailer Bristol because he's from the UK, actually Bristol itself. So why not just call him Bristol? And I do that just to hide the identities of the people so they can be open and honest about their emails without divulging their identity. He writes, hey, Ryan, I've been learning swing trading for about a year or so. So unfortunately, I have never really been able to look at many charts when the market is rallying for longer than a few days. Can you please do a podcast episode on entry points in a rallying market? Recently, there has been quite a decent rally for a lot of stocks. And I looked at your Twitter post on EPD today in the potential breakout. And for those wondering, when I posted that chart on EPD, it was back on January 23rd. So less than a month ago, but not too much more than that. When I looked at it on my charts to see if it fit my current strategy for a trade, I saw that the RSI and MACD give strong overbought price signals, but also saw that the chart was showing a potential breakout and trade against trend lines. It also seems that in an uptrending bullish market after a sharper long-term pullback, stocks will very often show overbought signals. So how do you weigh these against the chart signals and confidently pick the ones that will truly break out and the ones where the RSI and MACD will be correct in indicating an imminent pullback? And which levels of resistance should I pick as my breakout level when so many stocks have so many different levels of resistance due to the volatility of the last 6 to 12 months? Love that podcast, and thanks for your help in advance. Sincerely, Bristol. Now, Bristol, that's a good email. Man, I've got a lot to unpack on this one because I've jotted down a lot of notes, and I think it's really worth digging into a lot of what he said here. Really good points, really good questions. But first, what am I drinking? I don't even know how you say this stuff. It's called Brewich Laddich. It's a classic laddie Scottish barley single malt scotch whiskey. I don't do too much of scotches, but hey, I'm feeling adventurous today. So this stuff is actually 100 proof. That makes it 50% alcohol. And throughout the show, I'll be drinking it. And at the very end, give you my thoughts on the whiskey itself. Hopefully not forgetting to actually give you my thoughts before I hit the stop record button. So for new traders, if you started trading over the past year, you've really stumbled upon some tumultuous times. And I think you're better off having experienced it because so many of the traders that didn't start in 2022 and instead started in 2020, or 2021 when the meme stocks phenomenon was very big and very exciting for a lot of people, they weren't taught risk. They weren't taught a lot about the downside that comes with stocks and they had to learn the hard way. And even if they were able to make money in 2020 and 2021, they paid their taxes or they actually had a tax bill. And then in 2022, they, they spent all their tax money on trying to buy the dip in a market that just kept dipping. So 
there was a lot of lessons because there was a lot of blown out accounts from that era where 2022 brought everybody back to reality. So if you started in 2022, you probably saved yourself a lot of future headaches and frustrations by really getting a good understanding of the fact that, yes, the markets do go up over time, but there's also some very nasty pullbacks in the short term. And we got that in 2022. And for those who started trading before that, they ran smack dab into it like they're in a high-speed car accident and ejected from their back pocket was all of their capital that they lost along the way during their journey through 2020 and 2021. So for Bristol's sake, I'm glad that he didn't start trading during the meme stonk era and actually started trading during 2022. I feel like a lot of my trading experiences come from these moments in the stock market, whether it's 22, whether it's 08, whether it's 2020, when you had the initial COVID sell-off, or whether it was the dot-com blow-up, whether it was the government shutdowns in 2011. I mean, you just... There's been a lot of different market pullbacks, and I've learned a lot from those over the years. In some ways, it, I think it tends to make you a little bit more skeptical of bull market rallies, and we'll talk about that a little bit here in the podcast episode. But overall, if you were to start, it's probably better to start in a bear market because it gives you better realization, understanding, and expectations for the market going forward. But as a result of Bristol here, only trading within the past year, in his mind, there's there's a shorter time frame to stocks. I mean, he, he tries to play a breakout. It may only last three or four days. And even if the market rally lasts for a month, it may have taken most of that month just to form a good base to be able to trade off of. And so for Bristol's sake and his situation, he's been operating from a standpoint of these bull market breakouts. They don't last very long. I got to be quick and, and fast with pulling the trigger on the profits. And that's also even with to the short side. I mean, I think you know, shorting the stock market, oftentimes you got to be pretty quick with the profits as they come. I mean, you can't sit on them for like two and three months. You know, it's not a long-term trade. So oftentimes your short trades will last a couple of weeks to a month. And having been a trader just over the past year, there's going to be a lot of distrust for Bristol and his trading. He's going to be a little bit more skeptical of breakouts because he's seen so many of them fail over his tenure as a trader. But one of the main questions for his email that he sent me was, can you please do a podcast episode on entry points in a rallying market. Well, entry points need to be as close to the breakout level as possible. In the share planner trading block, I call these entry points trigger prices, right? This is where I would be triggered to get into the trade where that price is triggered at. And usually that's right at that breakout level. Now, we also want to make sure that we're not chasing a stock, that we don't see it's rallied 15, 20%, like a lot of people are doing right now with AI or with, Bed Bath & Beyond over the past year, or a lot of the other meme stonk crazy stuff going on. We don't want to chase things way after the fact. But to a certain degree, if you don't get right in at that breakout level, there's a certain degree of chasing. Even in my own trading, there's a certain degree of chasing that's going on there. What I don't do is I don't chase after stocks that are way beyond the fact, way up there in price, like 10 15% or even 5% in price. I won't chase after it. But what I want to make sure is that if I'm going to get in above that trigger price, I want to make sure that the reward to risk ratio is still good. So, you know, for me, my reward to risk ratio needs to be at least two to one. And I don't like to risk more than three to 5% on a trade. So if the stock is broken out and it's just in the early stages, but it's already moved a little bit beyond the breakout level, will I still get into it if the reward to risk ratio is right and my stop loss placement is still something that I'm comfortable with? Absolutely. Absolutely. But the key is going to be making sure that you're getting into the trades with a good risk ratio reward ratio and a good stop loss placement. And with 
swingtradingthestockmarket.com, and yes, this is a plug-in right here, with swingtradingthestockmarket.com, I actually do that all day long. I'm providing all sorts of different watch lists, you know, weekly watch lists, daily watch lists. I'm also providing big tech updates and updates on the market as a whole. So you can get all that information just by going over to swingtradingthestockmarket.com, which is the website for this podcast. And you can support the podcast and sign up for that in the process. So check that out. And that's the end of my plug-in for that. So what if the stock breaks out, the entry price in this, you know, strong bull market rally is way beyond the realms of a quality risk reward and good stop loss placement? What do you do? Do you do you just justify it and jump in there afterwards like all the other meme stock traders do? Absolutely not. That's really the way that you lose tons of money in the stock market. You want to lose a little bit? Don't go chasing after stocks with crazy risk rewards and horrible stop loss placements. But if you feel like you missed the boat on the stock, that's okay. Oftentimes, there's secondary setups that you can take advantage of. And by secondary, you know, you may, I would consider like a primary, like a really nice base that is formed. It breaks out of the base. Maybe it goes up 10%. And then, Okay, it can't go up forever. It's going to consolidate some. And then that consolidation might lead to a new trade setup that offers a good reward risk ratio plus a good stop loss placement. And that could come in the form of a pullback to the trend line. Sometimes it just trades sideways right into the trend line and you want to play that bounce off of the trend line. That could be one secondary entry. It could pull back to a key support level that is now developed. You can play that as a entry price into it because usually you can play those bounces and then put your stop loss right below that key support level. And then there's also candle patterns too that can develop like bull flag patterns are a notorious one where you have a straight up parabolic price move. And then you have this sideways, slightly lower pullback that looks like a flag basically on a flagpole. That would be another secondary trade setup for a stock that has already made a decent run. And then you, have, of course, you have wedges and you have triangles. I mean, I could go on and on and on. There's tons of them. There's candlestick patterns. There's a lot of different things that you can capitalize on. So if you missed the initial move, it's not worth just going and chasing after it, especially when there's a horrible, horrible stop-loss placement and risk-reward ratio to it. And let's be honest, why are we chasing after these stocks that are already in the middle of a huge run, probably already close to peaking, and we all of a sudden want to get into it with no regard for risk? Why are we doing it? I like to call it the woulda-shoulda trade. I should have gotten into it. I could have gotten into it. Whatever the reason why you didn't get into it. Who cares? That's in the past. You can't do nothing about that. You got to focus on the future. You got to focus on the next trade. But a lot of times we base the missed opportunities in the past on why we're going to trade the stock in the future or in the present. And as a result, we make a horrible trading decision because we're basing it off of the woulda, shoulda, couldas. And the woulda, shoulda, coulda trades are always going to end. Well, I shouldn't say always, but because there's always exceptions to it. But most of the time, the woulda, shoulda, coulda trades are going to end very badly for traders, especially the more inexperienced that you are as a trader. Now, we're talking about this EPD trade from January 23rd. You had this nice layer of resistance that had formed and it broke out. And it broke out and rallied for about five days and then it had a nasty pullback. And so to Bristol's comments earlier in the email, yeah, there's a lot of trades that are only lasting like a few days in this market. That particular setup took about from September to October to November to December to January to be able to form. It was a double bottom breakout. It only lasted like five days, pulled back, went below the support level, and then it went on this crazy tear at the end of January to mid-February going from 25s to 27s before it pulled back again. Now, you don't need to pull up the chart to, to hear all that. I'm just kind of giving you a, a general background without having to make you pull up a chart to understand what I'm talking about. Essentially, it broke out of a double bottom formation after forming a double top over the past four or five months, broke out, lasted for about five days, pulled back, and then went on like a two or three week tear and then pulled back again. 
So in essence, it's been very choppy since it broke out. But now when he was looking at the chart, he was seeing that the RSI and the MACD was showing that it was overbought. And that is true. The stochastic showed that it was overbought. But if you look at it, I mean, it had been overbought for over a month. If you look at the market run that we have been on since the beginning of January, it is just now coming off of overbought conditions. And that lasted for over a month, almost a month and a half. And in some ways, it's still overbought, even though it's pulled back over the last three days. So RSI and MACD, they can give you overbought signals, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to pull back right then and there. MACD doesn't mean that when it's overbought that it's pulling back right here and now, nor does it mean the same thing on the relative strength indicator. I think a lot of people use RSI and they use MACD and they feel comfortable with it. It's one of the most popular indicators. Those two, most people have both of them on their charts. I don't have either of them on my charts. I don't use them. And the reason why is because I think for one, it's an oversaturated indicator. I think a lot of people use it. I want to focus more on price and volume and price and volume alone. RSI, MACD, they're all derivatives of price and volume. So why not just be good at price and volume, right? So I look for a consolidation. I look for in particular breakouts, right? When stocks are shooting higher and they're getting ready to break through a major resistance level, I won't play them if they've like made like a 15 or 20% run in the past week or two, because yeah, they're overbought. You can tell that by the eye. I don't even need MACD or RSI to see that. You can just see it from the price. It's run up like crazy. A good example of that was NVIDIA. Man, guys, it had this incredible inverse head and shoulders pattern going all the way back to June of last year. Beautifully formed. I mentioned it multiple times. Like this thing's on the verge of forming a really nice inverse head and shoulders pattern. The problem with it is that it went from 140 to its neckline where that's basically where the pattern confirms where it triggers to 185, nonstop. 140 to 185. Talking like a 32% move in a matter of two weeks. Am I going to chase after that? Heck no, I didn't. Now, it broke out, and to my surprise, and probably to some others, it went from 185 up to 230. Now, what does that tell you there? Does that mean that technical analysis is always perfect? No, but it's a guideline, because I can tell you, as many times as I've seen a stock like NVIDIA, where it goes from 140 to 185 confirm, and then break higher and go from 185 to 230, I've seen probably three or four times as many struggle to hold that breakout level because it's already exhausted when it breaks out and instead it pulls back and creates a nasty head fake which traps a lot of traders that's why i didn't do it and so it goes back to like the rsi and macd you can have certain signals on there and you can see that it's overbought but it doesn't mean that it can't stay overbought in the case of nvidia it stayed overbought for a solid month i mean it was almost hitting 100 on stochastics and that's why it's so important to not get over inundated and this is a big newbie problem is to get over on inundated. I can't even say that word over. Maybe I don't even use the word over to get inundated with too many <laughs> charts. I'm trying to like wordsmith myself here as I'm doing this podcast. You don't want to get inundated with too many indicators on your charts. My gosh, I need to go back to English class because too many indicators will often lead to analysis paralysis. That's where you have just too much information being thrown at you. That's one of the reasons why I turn off CNBC, why I don't look at a lot of commentators during the day because I want to be able to make decisions based off of what I'm seeing on the charts, not necessarily what I'm hearing or what I'm thinking. I want to just see it. And so with RSI and MACD, it's not that you can't trade with those, but you got to have perspective on them. The moment that they become overbought doesn't mean that the stock's going to come right back down again. It can stay at those levels for a very, very long period of time. What we want to do as traders is make sure that there's a good risk scenario for us to get long on if that's what we're wanting to do there, whether or not the stop loss is something that is within our personal tolerance and go from there. You want to remember too, with the kind of market that we were in with 2022, when you get these dead cat bounces off of the lows, you get some extreme moves over just a short couple of days. And just within those time periods, you can get almost instantly overbought. Within a week's time, you can spend 
almost the entire year in oversold territory, but then you get that dead cap bounce and it can be a solid move. Like when you hit the bottom, usually you see some of your biggest moves and those can be like within a matter of a week, you can see a 10% move in the market. And what is that going to do? It's probably going to put you in overbought territory, but those moves can last for a very long time. Don't believe me. Just go look at the lows from the COVID 2020 era. Those were some crazy moves. And we've seen some crazy moves of late here too, where the NASDAQ seems to go up 2% every day and it doesn't ever have a pullback until just the last week or so. So dead cat bounces can quickly get you to where it looks like you can't trade anything because everything's already made these major moves. And if it's in such a scenario where the moves are so great that you can't find a good risk reward and a good stop loss placement, then wait for that secondary setup to get long. Now, finally, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this. Bristol talks about getting into trades and which resistance level should he play the breakout in because there's all these multiple layers of resistance. I'll tell you this, if you're trading a stock with a lot of levels of resistance overhead, that means that you have a very poor target price usually. I don't mind there being resistance overhead, but if I'm getting into a stock, stock ABC at $100 and I'm using a $95 stop loss, I really don't want to see any resistance until I get up to 110 because that's about a two to one ratio right there. But if I see resistance at 102 and 103 and 104 and 105, I'm going to be like, you know, I'm passing on this. There's too many layers of resistance overhead. That's going to stall the stock out more than likely. And so I want to go where there's not a lot of resistance overhead, where there's a lot of opportunity for the stock to make a run without running into any heavy resistance. That's how I come up with my target prices. So now that I'm done with the podcast, let's talk about this whiskey that I've enjoyed during the show. Again, I don't know how to say this. It's Brewich Laddich, classic Laddie Scottish barley. Strong proof. You definitely taste the spiciness in the drink from the high proof. But what, the one thing you taste right out of the gate is apple juice. And I don't know. Apple juice always takes me back to like childhood when I'm drinking apple juice from like a sippy cup. I'm 42 years old. So that hasn't happened in a long time. But it kind of gives you that nostalgic taste without the alcohol, obviously, back then. A bit of saltiness to it. So some flavors that I haven't picked up in a lot of my bourbons that I'm picking up here. One is the apple juice. One's the saltiness. And the one that's a crossover from the bourbon is the vanilla. I taste a lot of that. But overall, it's not bad. I mean, maybe scotch is growing on me and I just don't even realize it. But it's not bad. It's got a very ugly color to it, though. It's like toilet bowl pea color. <laughs> it doesn't look good. But maybe that's why it's got that apple juice taste, right? A scale of 0 to 10. I'm inclined to give this like a 7-0. I guess in the day, Portnoy World, that's a rookie score, but I can't go any higher and I can't go any lower. 7.0 is the score for that. So if you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to leave me a five-star review. I really need those guys. Those really do mean the world to me. And it helps me to continue to grow the audience and get people to listen to this podcast. And make sure to send me your emails, ryan at shareplanner.com, as well as sign up for swingtradingthestockmarket.com. But if nothing else, send me your emails. Let me know your story. Let me know what you're dealing with. Let me know your frustrations and your questions. I want to hear about it. I want to do an episode. So send it to me, Ryan at shareplanner.com. Sign up for swingtradingthestockmarket.com and get all my stock market research. Thank you guys. God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the SharePlanner trading block where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on SharePlanner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon. Yeah.